Just Earthly is a podcast for the nature lover, environmental enthusiast, outdoor adventurer, free spirit, and seeker. We belong outdoors, where we find union, belonging, inspiration, and at home with ourselves, each other, and our planet. We go inside to go outside. We go outside to go inside. We gather for self-healing, world healing, here on this earth. Welcome to the Just Earthly Podcast. My name is Mandy Metzger, founder of Interland Botanicals, and I'm your host. All right, so I am so excited to welcome Kristen Mathis to the Just Earthly Podcast today. Her business is Mysteria Mundi, and I'm really excited to dive a little bit deeper with you, Kristen, on this topic. Um, I know this is something new to me. It's something I think is going to be pretty new to my community, my listeners. So Mm -hmm. um, let's start off with just telling me a little bit more about your business and what you do. Sure. And first of all, thank you so much for inviting me to be on. I've been really looking forward to this. Um, so yeah, my name is Kristen Mathis and uh, my my teachable school is Mysteria Mundi, which means the um, mysteries of the world. Um, and I am a scholar of ancient Mediterranean magic and religion. <laughs> um, and I came into that uh, when I was quite young, actually. I always loved myth. And when I went um, to college, I majored in religion and then went on to grad school um, in ancient religion and esoterica. And um, I've been studying it in one way or another ever since. Um, I So when the pandemic began, I was an educator and I was really um, (laughs) going a little crazy. (laughs) Um, And, you know, I mean, the pressure was really on educators and I found myself sort of spinning out a little bit. And I have a spiritual practice, a meditation practice, and, but it just wasn't doing it for me I needed something really concrete to hang on to and um, so I started what I think you know is this incredibly geeky um, but hopefully endearing uh, (laughs) practice of um, trying to find an ancient Greek text that I would just translate one line of Greek every morning just like as a way to like bring myself down like an almost like doing doing a crossword puzzle or something like that okay so um I I chose almost sort of randomly but just with this intuition I chose to translate um to start translating the Orphic hymns so um Orphic O-R-P-H-I-C and those are a set of hymns that were um, written, nobody really knows when. Estimates range from like 1000 BC up to like 200 AD. Wow. But sometime in that huge span, these set of hymns to natural phenomena and um, the ancient Mediterranean Greco-Roman deities. 
but deities as they're found in nature. So the clouds, the moon, the planets, the stars, the winds. Um, th this body of hymns was collected and transmitted and used in ancient mystery religions, uh, religious practices where people um, both chanted and sang the hymns, but also experienced sort of profound meditative states. And so I just opened up these Orphic hymns and was like, okay, I'm going to start translating. And I really, even though there, my instincts were guiding me to this particular set of hymns. I mean, there's tons of stuff in ancient Greek I could have translated, but I didn't really know what to expect. And when I started translating them, I was just like incredibly moved and bowled over by the beauty of the language, by the wordplay and the how each natural element sort of had its own personality and vocabulary. And um, yeah, I just became entranced by this ancient set of hymns. And um, really as time went on, it began to sort of work in me. And um, I began to feel a really deep connection, particularly to the planet, but um, sort of being able to feel and relate to the natural world around me as a living cosmos, which is something that I had believed before and I had dabbled in over the years, but like to really feel like I'm um, in conversation with the plants and the wind and the stars and the sun. Um, and so that really became the, the inspiration for wanting to get this incredible body of text out into the world because I feel like this is what we need, right? We need yeah. to be more, more in touch with the world. We also need to recover ancestral practices that um, we've forgotten in quote unquote, the West. And by West, I mean the ancient Mediterranean, including not just Greece and Rome, but also Egypt, North Africa, Mesopotamia, even as far as um, India and, uh, and Southern Africa, we know that there was a lot of contact between all those different cultures. And we, when we look back at at those ancestors and look at how they were relating to the world around them. It's um, very animist, it's really alive, They're really in conversation with the natural world. And to me, it was inspiring to um, feel like I could draw upon an inheritance that um, sort of spans many cultures and um, and really is, um, yeah, that, that spans many cultures and is so in tune with what the world needs now and yet is so ancient. 
So it really like ticked a lot of boxes for me. And so I started this online school um, where I offer classes in um, getting to know the hymns better, getting to uh, make real connections with the um, animate cosmos. And yeah, (laughs) that was a lot, but yeah, that's what I do. Yeah, I just love the integration of your work with nature. I I love how it almost, it sounds like it just started to work through you. And then it's something that you just wanted to share with the world. That's really, it's really inspiring. Yeah. 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 So you've been doing this for, you've been working on this technique for, like this teaching technique for the last 30 years or so, I read on your Mm -hmm. website. And I'm curious, what what inspired you to start to, like, going back to the beginning of you doing mm-hmm. this work? So I know, like, for me, I like to, I find, I say I have these puzzle pieces to myself throughout mm-hmm. all these different trainings that I um, am called to through my own curiosity. And I find myself in each of the, like, little pieces of myself that I bring back together through um, different teachings and I'm just curious like going back to that beginning um, mm-hmm. like, what was it that really inspired you to or what what called you towards this work mm-hmm. that's such a good question um, I'm, I'm like you I have lots of puzzle pieces so one of the big ones that um, you can't tell by looking at me is that I grew up in Borneo in Malaysian Borneo um, which at the time was not uh, not terribly developed. It was full of rainforest. Um, this was the 1970s. And there were um, indigenous cultures that are still there. Um, but at the time I was a child there, they were um, actively practicing an animist religion. So there were spirit mediums and, um, I mean, what we might call shamans who were in touch with the um the spirits of the of the rainforest and um i was fortunate to witness and participate in some rituals as a child and then i went back later as an adult so for me growing up there i just it was intuitive for me i mean to be in conversation with the natural world i think it is for all children actually (laughs) um but it was yeah but I was blessed by being in a place where that was also reinforced by some of the adults around me so that's sort of like where I feel like my heart uh the heart piece comes from and um and then in terms of like my journey (laughs) You know, I went to college, I was drawn to this, uh, To I took a class in religious studies, was uh, really interested in that because my family is very religious, they're um, Christian, you know, so I'd grown up in a very Christian household. Um, my parents are very liberal, sort of, you know, my mom works with refugee families and, you know, my dad was a pastor. Um, and so I wanted to understand that, so I started taking religion classes, but I was immediately drawn to the, the, 
so-called pagan religions, <laughs> which resonated with what I'd seen growing up in Borneo, right? Like it was almost like a homecoming. I was like, oh, this makes sense to me, whether it was, um, I don't know, uh, Venus as the planet and also love, or whether it was um, Greco-Roman writers or Egyptian writers writing about um, the journey of the soul after death, um, it, it sort of resonated with me. And when I finished graduate school, um, I moved to New York City and I, um, or rather I moved in the middle of grad school, but I moved to New York City and I um, got, I was, got involved in a nonprofit organization that gave holistic healthcare to um, people in need. And at that time it was sort of the height of the AIDS crisis. And so, um, and the drugs weren't available yet. So there was a lot of um, call for alternative medicine, holistic healing protocols and things like that. And I, um, in my position as the director of this clinic, I got to um, really experience many types of alternative healthcare, um, I got to witness them, like witness our clients benefiting. And then I got to experience it because I was yeah. in the mix. So, um, you know, whether that was soul retrieval or dream work, crystal healing, acupuncture, massage, right? Like the whole nine yards, different types of um, uh, mental health care that were uh, more holistically oriented. And um, so that all became part of the mix too. And then, like I said, I sort of did this big circle where I, I taught for a number of years and then found myself, um, you know, it was like May of 2020 during when New York was really in lockdown and the sirens were going past my window every day. And um, that I felt like I needed to return to that, to, to this, these texts that had grounded me when I was much younger. That's yeah. amazing. I, it's interesting because uh, I've, I've done a lot of reading in terms of um, like purpose and mm -hmm. I've heard the term remembering used mm -hmm. a lot and I never really understood that, but the more that I dive deeper into my purpose, I feel that that remembering is almost, for me, it feels like it's bringing me back to myself mm -hmm. after maybe some phases of my life where I've, I lost myself, um, but kind yeah. of returning back to my childhood or those, um, those moments and like what I was originally interested in I kind of, I, I completely feel you in that circle, how it just, you have that journey and it just yeah. brings you back that remembering back to early I love that. life. I love that. And I, you know, I think that's also sort of where we are as a, as a culture right now. I mean, particularly in the United States, but even just globally, we're in this place of needing to remember what our purpose is and who we are. And um, particularly for those of us who identify as white or Western or American, or um, we need to 
remember that we weren't always, you know, part of a, a capitalist machine that is extracting from the earth. Um, yeah. We, there is um, a source that we can, um, I don't want to say go back to, because it's not that we want to go back in time and replicate, you know, the Roman empire. That's not yeah. the point, <laughs> you know, um, but that we can learn that our, that ancestors um, throughout many different cultures, but including the culture that came to be known as white colonial, blah, blah, you know, but even those ancestors, when we go back far enough, they were in tune with the earth and in a reciprocal relationship with the earth that was not extractive and that wasn't abusive. Um, and so that, I love that idea of remembering because that's exactly, I think, why these hymns called me is that they were trying to say, hey, you know, we're over here. <laughs> you, yeah. you need us right now, you personally and you collectively. <laughs> as well to um as you said during the pandemic that you went through almost like line by line to mm -hmm. translate and yeah. that's something that I've even been I have a background in yoga and I know even uh -huh. yoga sutras it's it's such a it's such a big task to go through things line by line like that and yeah, um, yeah. oh what a wonderful what wonderful work you do. <laughs> uh, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Do you, you, um, oh, go ahead. <laughs> well, no, I mean, when, I guess what I'd also say is that um, I feel like myth also has a really important role to play at this moment. I mean, for me, but also for the world that um, it's like we've, we've privileged a certain way of intellectually knowing things that is um there's nothing wrong with the intellect but that the way that it has come to be used in the predominant culture is to sort of justify this extraction and and domination and um myth offers us a different way to think through things and so the myths as they're found in the hymns, um, and in particular, the story of Orpheus, who's the character um, in myths who allegedly wrote these hymns, right? So the, the ancient Mediterranean folk believed that Orpheus was the author of these hymns. And the, the myth of Orpheus himself is one of a, I mean, I could go into that a little bit, later yeah. but I mean he um it's a myth about coming into relationship with the natural world and okay. being able to listen to the earth and all, all its creatures um so yeah I mean I don't know if that's this is the right time to talk about that but I'd be happy to do that yeah can you tell me a little bit more about that and also yeah and um just like if there's any listeners that might want to know a little bit more about Orpheus specifically, that yeah, new to them, yeah, sure. Um, so Orpheus 
um, and I'll just spell it just so that folks can Google and follow up on this, but it's O-R-P-H-E-U-S. So Orpheus is a character from um, Greek myth. And if people know about him now, um, often it's through the myth of um, his beloved Eurydice, who the myth goes that um, he was in love with Eurydice. She's out playing in the forest one day and she's bitten by a snake and, and dies. And he's so distraught that he convinces the gods to let him go down to Hades, to the underworld and bring her back. And in the underworld, Hades and Persephone are sitting there and they are persuaded to, um, to let Eurydice go back up to earth, which has never been done before um, with Orpheus, um, but only on the condition that he not look back at her. So he can lead her back up to earth, but he can't look back. He can't doubt the word of the gods. And so he goes up and he goes the whole way up without looking back. And as he steps out, he turns around to give her his hand and looks at her and Hermes comes and takes her back down to the underworld. So that's, that's the story of Orpheus and Eurydice that um, most, I mean, if people have heard of Orpheus, that's usually the story they know because within um, European culture in, you know, the, the Renaissance and, um, afterwards that's the one that was really that's the part of the myth that was really highlighted but and and I I mean there's a lot even to unpack just in that myth but sure there's more right there's more and Orpheus is a far um stranger I would even say queerer figure than what that particular myth um tells and so for the Greeks themselves, they would have known Orpheus. They knew that part of the story where he, you know, he brings Eurydice back from the underworld, but they knew him primarily as the first poet and the first singer, because in Greece, poetry was sung and hymns were sung. So they knew him as the first poet he had a lyre given to him by Apollo, and he um, was chosen to participate in the quest for the Golden Fleece, where Jason and the Argonauts, some of you may have read versions of the story in different children's books, right? <laughs> but Jason and the Argonauts go off looking for the Golden Fleece, and they encounter Medusa with the snakes in her yeah. hair. Orpheus was asked to be part of that quest because they um, they needed somebody to set the pace for the rowing of the boat. And so he would strum the lyre and, and sing, and then the rowers would row the boat. But they quickly found out that when he, whenever they encountered a, a beast, right? Like Scylla and Charybdis, or um, there was a dragon guarding the fleece, he could sing and the monster would fall asleep. And um, 
so he has this power of enchanting nature, like from the very beginning. He also fell in love with one of the sailors. So we have this um, homoerotic myth where he is desperately in love with uh, a sailor named, or an Argonaut, named Kalais, who is the son of the West Wind. And Kalais is killed towards the end of the journey. And um, Orpheus begins to mourn. And this is the actual, this is the myth that the Greeks knew as sort of the big myth of Orpheus, is that he's mourning Calais. And he goes back to his home country and he goes into the woods and he just sings his heart out, like all these songs of love for his beloved. And so, and as he's singing, all the animals come and, and uh, lie down. And we have these beautiful pictures, um, mosaics from the ancient world of uh, Orpheus with his lyre, and then every type of beast, like ferocious and, you know, oh. like lions and lambs and, you know, leopards and snakes, and they're all lying down next to him sleeping. Um, and he had, so he had this beautiful ability to charm the animals. But his, um, he angered the women of the region because he wouldn't pay any attention to them. And so they beheaded him and threw his head into the ocean and it kept singing and it went and sang and it drifted across the Mediterranean Ocean to an island um, where it was picked up by the people of the island and they wrote down the songs. And so those are the songs that supposedly these hymns actually are. These are the songs of Orpheus's head <laughs> that came out of his love, like his grief for his beloved um, yeah. partner. And there's just like, you know, when I think about that, that myth, there's so much there to unpack. But yeah. one of the things, you know, one of the things that I love about it is that it, it is, it weaves together this sort of, I'm going to call it like a queer ecology, you know, like the, the idea that, that our love for the earth and the animals and the plants and even the beasts, the wild beasts is like intertwined with our, um, with our erotic being, right? Like as humans, what sort of gives us joy and our love and our internal fire is not just the erotic love of a partner, but also of being in communion with the earth. And, um, and that that gives rise to poetry. I mean, like, I just like, that makes me, I'm geeking out here, you know, like, I'm so into it, like, that's so cool. (laughs) Yeah. I love it too. You just, yeah, I, it is so deep. Mm -hmm. Wow. So deep. 
Yeah. Yeah. And then that we have these hymns and that they're still like we have them. There's so much that we lost from antiquity, but we have these and they were explicitly made to help us connect with the earth in the way that Orpheus did. Aww. You know, I mean, it's just so moving to me. It is. I feel like I feel my heart expanding with this. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's hard not to feel that way when you yeah. hear these myths and when you, when you read these hymns. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> well, I, um, I was wondering, so those, those mm-hmm. that are listening, um, who might be interested in these teachings and want to find out more, learn more from mm-hmm. you, um, how can they, how can they find out more? How can they learn more? Yeah, um, well, you can, yeah, you can um, certainly go to my Teachable site, which is teachable.mysteriumwindy.com. I'm sure you can put that in the notes or something um and I offer classes on there um and then I also um you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram um which is my Twitter handle is your spirit auntie so it's u-r-s-p-i-r-i-t-a-u-n-t-i-e and I was wondering where where you got where that came from. Yeah, um, that comes from honestly. That comes. That's that comes from the fact that so I turned fifty this past year, and um, and I thank you, and I um, and I just felt myself like really. I, I've been blessed over the years to have aunties, you know, whether real or adopted, who have shared their wisdom with me. And I, a friend of mine said something like, oh, you're, you're 50. Now you're definitely an auntie, you know, and I, and I was like, oh, yes. You know? And I, and I just sort of thought like, that's really, I, that's sort of the, the energy that I want to embody in the world is like look I've been through some stuff honey and (laughs) you know and I've seen a lot of things and I still um find joy and wisdom in the natural world and I want to share that so I want I want people to feel like when they come into my classes that they are in something of like a combination of maybe maybe a um a professor's office that you really like, or maybe a Hogwarts teacher's office. <laughs> um, and um, and there are our favorite aunties, like living room, you know. Yeah. So that we're we're going to talk about, you know, we're it's it's um it's both academic and fun, right? Like it's yeah. not either or. I love that. <laughs> Oh, I will be putting mm-hmm. all the ways to connect with you in the description um, mm-hmm. to the podcast episode. Uh, one yeah. other thing that was really cute and made me giggle was um, I loved when I got on your webpage, it said, 
an ancient mystery school for modern spiritual nerds. <laughs> yeah. I'm such a nerd. Yeah. I mean, because that's the thing, there's so many of us out there, yeah. right? And it's like often, I mean, you know, I think it's wonderful that you have this community where people can be of support to each other. But because yeah. often within our own little tiny social circles, we're like, the you know the spiritual friend or the astrology friend or whatever you know the crystal lady um and (laughs) and so it's really nice to have a space where we can get together and just um support each other and also nerd out like you know just be like oh I love that myth that's so cool oh listen to this you know and um yeah I think you just we should own it Right. <laughs> we should definitely. I know for a while I felt so alone and on an island, um, mm-hmm. just the crystals and all the things and te- teaching all of that. I just felt like I didn't really have people to re- that really quite got it, even though I would talk mm-hmm. about it. But yeah, it's that's what's ama- amazing with these kinds of communities is that it's like you can just be who you are and you have people to share your enthusiasm about the same thing. Yeah. You to geek out about it. So yeah, exactly. love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I always like to end the podcast with um, one question. So I, those that have been following me for a little while, though, they know that I always say self-healing first and then world healing. So um my philosophy is that you you really work on healing yourself putting those pieces together yourself and then you can take that whether that's on a yoga mat whether that's through trainings and learning more about different things you're curious about um and then you take that out into the world and you can it's almost like that ripple effect um so Mm healing first and then world healing so Mm -hmm. um, this podcast is all about like the integration through nature um like work people do to really integrate nature to help heal the world um Mm -hmm. I want to know how you heal through nature yeah um (laughs) good question and I I um I I really appreciate that um, juxtaposition of self and world that you're setting up because I also think that our self-healing it's like we bring our healing out into the world but the world is also working on us you know the earth is 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 so abundantly generous with the healing it offers um and I would say that that's that's how I that's my practice basically. Um, I live in Brooklyn and it's very urban. Um, so I don't have, I mean, you know, I go down to the beach a lot, um, when I need solace, but I, I'm not in a place with giant forest. Um, I, um, but what I do is I get to know, I do know, um, the plants and trees and little animals in my neighborhood. And that for me is like, I go going on walks and um, sort of 
consciously opening myself to um, hear and, and greet the trees, greet the herbs that I see, um, bring them offerings sometimes. I, I like to save my, um, my incense ash and uh, carry it around in tiny little jars in my oh, purse <laughs> and, and give, give a little offering to you know the willow tree in the park or the cypress tree on the sidewalk and um, I greet when I hear a bird I make a practice to sort of like really notice it and thank it and when I come to the natural world with that sense of gratitude and wanting to connect I I do I do I I feel nourished by it and I can hear um I mean here is I'm putting in quotes because I don't literally hear the voices of the trees but I do communicate with them and it becomes part of my my um healing practice so just to give a quick example, right? The willow tree in the park, um, this old grandmother willow tree. And um, I started visiting her and leaving her little offerings. And then one day I was out, I guess it was before Christmas. And I was trying to think of what I should, my father had um, arthritis in his fingers. And I was trying to think of what I should give him. And the next time I walked to the park, something told me just like, look behind the tree. I could almost hear the tree sort of saying like, I have something for you, look behind the tree. And some, one of her branches had fallen off and there were all these um, pliant twigs on the ground. And it was like, I, I looked down and I realized that she was telling me that to make my father some oil, some willow oil for his um, hands. And, um, and so I did, I went home and I made the willow oil. I, lo I love making herbal preparations. And, um, and when I gave it, when I gave it to my dad, I didn't know how he would react, but um, afterwards, so he visited me in, in um, March. And he was like, I don't know what you put in that oil, but it's amazing. Makes my wrist, like my fingers have, the doctor's been giving me all this medicine. And I really like, for me, like, I truly believe that the oil was effective because it was a gift from grandmother Willow, you know, like it was a reciprocal relationship. Um, I probably could have gone out and bought drops, but like, I feel like the medicine is powerful when you're, when you're in that relationship. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's my practice. I mean, I, I read the hymns um, to the planet and I, you know, I do have meditative practices, but really in terms of the healing through nature, it's just opening myself to the magic of the everyday nature, like nothing you know it's lovely to have big nature experiences you know and I do have those yeah. from time to time but mostly it's like me saying hi to the sparrows you know? <laughs> the simple things yeah. 
things. But that's the yeah. feeling and just the simple things. It's just stepping out of out of your door. You know, exactly. Exactly. Or yeah. That plant inside even. You don't sometimes you totally. don't even have to go outside to connect. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Uh-huh. And you know, I really I really um believe that you can do this anywhere you can do this in a place that is covered with asphalt and there's a little crack you know and out of that crack is growing some chickweed or some you know mallow or something and that can be enough yeah moss yeah like yeah really and just sit with the moss yeah sit with the moss for a few days you know I mean for like 15 minutes for a couple days in a row and you'll begin to to feel them all <laughs> yeah yeah I completely I completely agree with you there I just read the book about a month or so ago um, gathering moss by um, mm-hmm. have you heard of that oh my mm-hmm. gosh it gave me a whole new perspective of the little things you know yeah. just, right it's so right such a small thing that a and lot of know, people just think, oh, we got to get rid of it. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just right? really develop like, some appreciation. <laughs> one of the things that I love about the natural world is that it is so, there's so much joy and abundance. Yes. You know, like, I mean, we're, here we are in the middle of a pandemic. I'm in Brooklyn, you know, during, I mean, all the, um, the riots and subway shooting I mean there's like you know the world is a pretty intense place right now I live in a building that is full of Ukrainians and people's families are um you know uh, being yeah just it's a it's an intense time and when I go for a walk or when I go out onto my terrace and look at the moss um (laughs) and there's just it it fills me up with a type of abundant radiant joyful energy sometimes it's depending on the plant or animal sometimes it's quiet sometimes it's loud sometimes it's like skittish but it's always free and abundantly given and I feel like that's um such a gift that we don't pay enough attention to yeah I agree with you um yeah so it brings me a lot of joy, a lot of joy. Oh, thank you so much, Kristen, for connecting yeah. today um, and just sharing your story and the work that you do. And there's just so much to learn from you. You're a beautiful person and you just, you do some really amazing work. So well, thank you. Thank you.